Welcome back to the Red River Cares podcast. I'm your host, Gina Burke. Today on the show, we have Kara Joyce. Kara is Bridgewater Rayham's STEM coordinator all the way down in Bridgewater, Mass. One of the schools in her district, Williams Independent, was the recipient of the 22-23 STEM Lab we did in collaboration with the Boston Bruins. So without further ado, Kara, welcome to the show. Kara, welcome to the Red River Cares podcast. We're so excited to have you on today. Thanks so much for having me. I've never done a podcast before. Yay! I'm so happy to be your first one. <laughs> it's only slightly painful. Now that we do video and audio, I mean, it's just like the double whammy of like real awkwardness, but it's, <laughs> it's fine. Um, why don't we start by telling everyone how we got to meet each other. Um, let's start there and then we can get into you. Well, actually uh, introduce yourself and um, where you're calling in from today. Okay, perfect. So my name's Kara Joyce. Um, I am the STEM coordinator for pre-K through 12 for the Bridgewater Rainham Regional School District. Um, I'm actually right now inside of the new STEM labs that we worked on together at the Williams Intermediate School, which is a three to five elementary school. Um, the kind of how we ended up here where we are is um, I started this as a new position. This is the second year I've been in it and it was new for the Bridgewater Rainham uh, Regional School District. They were able to add a STEM coordinator to their budget and they hired me. Um, one of the first um, people who reached out to me inside of BR um, was Matt Clark, who's the principal of this school. Um, years ago, our K-2 school's roof collapsed. Um, luckily enough, it collapsed during February vacation, so nobody was in the building, just total luck. Um, and so we had to absorb all of those kids into other schools. So the Williams was jam-packed and was actually housing um, grades four, five, six, and seven. So for four grades, even though it was really designed for three. This year we opened the new K-2 school, it's back up and running. And so Matt had expressed interest in realizing he was gonna have more spaces opening up now that he was going from four grades to three and really likes project-based learning, really likes STEM and wanted to see about creating spaces at um, Williams for STEM. Um, I saw the Bruins contest actually on teacher Twitter um, and was like, ooh, and I looked at the lab from last year and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. The video was so cool. Um, so Matt and I met and we applied for the contest with the Bruins Foundation and you folks and then um, went through all the different stages and now we have two really great spaces for our staff and students to use. Yeah, I mean, it is really cool. So our volunteers came down a couple weeks ago. Um, what was neat, I think for us was, you know, these were two empty spaces in the school. So we had like just this blank slate to work with. Um, really cool getting the input from all the teachers on what they wanted to see in the space and what kind of lab you were all looking to build. In the three years we've done this, they've all looked so different, um, which I think is really cool because it's like STEM can look so many different ways depending on the grade levels, the teachers that are going to be in the space, whether we're including art or not. And they've all just looked 
so so different the first one was really more of a traditional lab like a, more of like a computer lab with all kinds of different um, online experiments the second one was really a lot of art based projects um, 3d printing uh, Glowforge, that kind of thing. And then your space, I think, is just this really eclectic mix of all kinds of different STEM experiments. Um, really hands-on stuff, like fun stuff, like giant Lego walls and things that kids are just going to get excited about um, and hopefully find some interest in these STEM um, fields. So tell me why you think creating a space like that is so important for students. So yeah, I think a lot about like how the world changes so quickly um, and that the kids that we're seeing in our, in our classes right now, especially our early learners, the technology that's going to exist when they're adults is something that probably you and I couldn't even wrap our heads around or fathom. And they're gonna be the people who have to create these <laughs> new technologies, these new ideas they're gonna to have to invent uh, things for problems that we don't even know about yet for solution to find solutions to problems that we probably couldn't understand. And for kids to be able to do that successfully and for us to be able to continue doing that as a society, there has to be space for kids to be able to grow their brains in that particular way. Uh, a space for kids to be able to challenge themselves, to experiment with ideas, to fail repeatedly and understand that that is just as much of a part of that process as being successful. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially in Massachusetts, we have MCAS, it's definitely rigorous, but we can end up in a teaching to the test kind of boat where we're just plugging away, plugging away, trying to get it all done, trying to you know teach every standard. But with that, we're losing so much opportunity for kids to be driving um, the car, steering the ship, whatever, you know, metaphor you want to use but that kind of is getting lost in a lot of ways and the ideas that kids have are becoming like put on the back burner and it's being like teacher as authority i know everything let me help you to know things rather than saying like what do you already understand um, about the world and how do we tap into that to kind of build more understanding for you and more connections and this space really couldn't be used in that more traditional stand and deliver way. It just, it wouldn't be. The kids would get in this space and it is so open-ended, it is so engaging. There's so many opportunities for kids to explore, create, collaborate, talk to one another, that it would really help kind of strengthen all those skills. Yeah, no, I love what you said. I think we do need to give kids a place to play in a school structured way, but in that, fail sort of mentality like it's okay if this experiment doesn't work out like you're learning just by trying and by doing um and yeah that just gives them so many skills and just gets them excited about the possibilities on you know well what could i go experiment with at my house or what else could i try to build with this you know these different technologies we brought in um if you could just give us a high level of just a, some of the, the, the different products that we put in the space that the teachers wanted or that you wanted that you thought, hey, this, this really could lead to some innovation and these would be really cool things for kids in grades three through five to get their hands on. Uh, that would be great. 
Yeah, one of the challenges we've actually talked about in district is that we have been trying to do some more um, gender blending. We are noticing that when there are choices for projects, the young boys are choosing very traditional you know, what boy skewed things and girls are kind of going in a more creative artsy route. And we wanted to kind of blend that together. So one of our spaces is that creation station. So it has a whole slew of different um, design and engineering Lego kits and challenges, but it also has some really great creative exploration stuff with textiles and things with our cricket machines and the glow forge. So we're hoping that in that kind of space, we'll see some of those different viewpoints and different interests kind of blend together and overlap, which would push kids maybe out of their comfort zone, but also find and engage some new interests for um, students in different ways, but also to kind of collaborate on that front. Uh, in that space, we also have some other really creative things. We have Ozobots, which allows kids to um, see how computer programming works at its most base level. Um, they're really cute, super tiny little robots, but the kids code the behavior of the robots with markers. So like blue, if you color with a blue marker, then a black marker, then a blue marker, that would make the Ozobot go fast. If you do red, green, red, and it kind of cross, crosses over that path that makes the Ozobot tornado and so kids can build their own paths for the robots and program what they want them to do. There's also um, Makey Makeys in this space which essentially teach kids about how um, conduction works and circuitry. One of the first little lessons is turning a bunch of bananas into a piano with the circuitry kids and it's super fun. I actually had a couple of kids in here yesterday and I turned them into a piano. They each took one of the alligator clips and they were playing <laughs> the music together. Um, totally obsessed with this idea that humans can conduct electricity and then they wanted to investigate everything else that might conduct electricity. We're grabbing things off of shelves. It was really great. You saw a lot of excitement. Um, and then the other space, our collaboratory, is really kind of more at grade level. So a lot of teachers have come through and looked at the different kits as they're set up, and I'm hearing so much enthusiasm, like, oh, we do sound in um, October. This is going to be so great. I can't wait to have my kids come down here. Or, you know, I've always done a design and engineering challenge around um, force and motion, but always would just never have the materials, never have the space, never have the, the cool ideas. But now it's kind of all here for us. And, there's a whole slew of kits in that space for, for teachers to kind of navigate. And interestingly, as they come down and consult with me, they're each kind of picking up on different things that really resonate with them that they're getting excited about. Um, and then I just keep saying, you know, if you're excited about something and you use it, share with us how you're using it, um, what do the kids think, and then how can we kind of replicate that or spread that around to other folks. We've even just actually hosted a group of parents from the Rainham side of the district in the space because they heard about it through word of mouth, they saw pictures online, and now they're like, how do we think about replicating at least some of this for our side of the district? So much enthusiasm. Um, and so, yeah, those are my conversations now is how do we do something similar for Rainham? Whoa, I just got chills. That is uh, so exciting. Um, exciting. It's so exciting on so many levels because, well, one, the fact that they have you and you're being so deliberate about ensuring that what went in the space fits with the curriculum that the teachers are already required to teach, um, but they're enhancing it, right? They have those those hands-on things. It's like, okay, yeah, we could sit here and talk about sound all day, but we could do this really fun experiment to make kids think this is just super cool. Um, 
And, you know, another thing that came up for me that you and I have chatted about, which is, you know, this is the first space that we've put in where there wasn't a dedicated teacher. And with that comes challenges. Like your school is using it as much more of a collaboration space where, you know, classes can sign up, they come in and out, use the space. But again, it's like, all right, well, how do we tell them all the different um, items that are in the space? How do they know how to use it? You know, it would stink to build such a beautiful space. And then teachers are just like, ah, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Or I don't understand what a makey makey is or how it works. Um, but you're really creating that collaboration even amongst the teachers and, and just putting things up so people can come in and test it and be like, ooh, that's really cool. That would totally work for my science lesson. But like, thank God you're there to make this work because that is a challenge for us to think about because we would hate to spend all this money and all this equipment and it just sit there because just the nature of school, like you said, they're, they're, they have the required curriculum and they're sticking to it. And sometimes it's hard to even to break away from that norm. So I just really wanted to commend you for being in that space and being that champion because I do think it can create um, such excitement in a district and it's really cool that it is starting to spread around Bridgewater and Raynham and all that. That's really cool. It is super exciting. We actually are now having a conversation at the central office level that while we couldn't fund a position for the space, which we had hoped we, we would be able to, um, we weren't able this year, but um, I'm feeling positively about the possibility that we'll be able to offer um, some stipended positions to folks that would be like, you know, STEM lab champions so that <clears throat> teachers that really were engaged or really interested and wanted to kind of take a more leadership role with the space could apply for these positions and then their role would be outlined to, you know, upkeep, talk to me about consumable purchasing and cycles for that. But more importantly, consulting with their colleagues. How do we plan lessons in here? How can we support you with the different pieces? What were you interested in and what are your questions? And have it be like owned by the building, the, the teachers inside of the space. And there's definitely appetite in the building for that. There are, I mean, there's so many, I can't even imagine how many would apply, but um, there's certainly some that are like 100%, if that's a stipend in position, you know, I'm, I'm coming for it. So I think that, that is, there's a very good chance that that will happen for next year. Fingers crossed. That's so cool. I love that. It's, yeah, that's really, really neat. Um, tell me why, just in general, I mean, I don't know how you got this role, but, you know, you're the STEM coordinator. So why is STEM either, was it a passion of yours? Is it a passion of yours? Do you just see the value in it? Like, just tell me sort of how you got to this position that you're in. Wow, that tracks back pretty far. So I was a student who actually did not see so much success in some ways in school. So I had ADHD during a window of time where there was a lot of changes in like what parents were advised to do, like is medication good? Now medication is bad, let's take kids off of it. Um, so I had a lot of rocky road, um, but I was always really interested and creative and loved my science and math classes. So it was a space where I felt like the obstacles that I had in my nature were a little bit easier to overcome because I had really great STEM teachers who allowed you know a lot of open-ended exploration, a lot of labs, a lot of investigations. And so I kind of resonated with that. It felt like a space where I could engage like everyone else without the same challenges. So that's kind of what started me on the path. Um, I actually went to Stonehill and majored in biochemistry. So I thought I was going to end up being a science teacher, um, which was my original goal. But when I graduated, I just didn't 
find myself in science. I got offered a math job um, in Chelsea at the Brown Middle School and was like, oh, all right, let's give this a shot. Took the teacher test, passed it, and started teaching math. Um, and then actually, when I had to pursue my master's, I pursued it in math. So I do have kind of that background in both science and math. And I used to always joke that I taught my math class like a science teacher. So students were always like given something to grapple with. That's how my class always started. Um, not me telling you anything, but like here's a problem, here's a scenario, here's a situation, here's a diagram, a graph, something. Observe, discuss, report, like what's going on here. Um, so that's kind of the way that I've always viewed things. But as I was, you know, working in my previous district in Malden, which is where I was for 18 years, uh, I felt like I wanted to kind of take on more of a leadership role around curriculum and instruction. I felt like maybe I could reach more. So that's when I pursued getting my director's license. Um, so I have um, that for the, the Commonwealth. And there just wasn't an opening in Malden, so I started kind of looking around. And Bridgewater Rainham um, resonated with me for a couple of reasons. One, they were saying that when I met with kind of school committee and stuff, they said, you know, we recognize that STEM is the future for everything. Um, and they shared some data that I was familiar with about like correlation around, you know, your algebra skills, your STEM skills. Those are the biggest correlation with um, success financially in life. Those two things like really do go hand in hand. So they were saying, you know, if we want this success for our students in, you know, secondary school, post, um, you know, college, career, whatever it is, then we want to grow programs in that. But in addition, they also were hiring a DEI coordinator at the same time. So looking to kind of put everything through the lens of diversity, equity, in inclusion, belonging. And so yeah. those two things together for me kind of, it, it met that piece that I always felt like STEM is important, but if you're not teaching it well, it's not going to do what it did for me as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like those two ideas working in tandem really felt like a good fit for me here in BR. I felt like it was an opportunity to say, not only do we want to provide some really great STEM education for kids, but we want to do it with this idea of providing kids access, building equity, um, a sense of belonging for all together and that those were kind of the driving forces for me awesome thank you for sharing that as you were talking i was thinking about dei and then you brought it up which was super cool but um i was thinking about how hands-on learning anyway almost creates a place of equity right like 100 percent. there because again you talked about like oh you can come and fail in the space and i was like there's no really failing in STEM activities, right? Like we're all just learning mm -hmm. no matter what is happening, even if the experiment doesn't go as we expect it to go. Um, but it doesn't matter what kind of learner you are. I think that there's value in this getting your hands dirty and in there creating something that your brain thought of in some kind of way. And this could look a million different ways, even if it's never been thought of before. And I just think just that door to creativity is just going to get blown wide open in a space like this. Um, and yeah, what opportunity that provides for any kind of learner, any kind of kid. And yeah, this is really cool. I'm super excited about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I even think a little bit about like, so I was a high school teacher for 18 years, but now in this role, I get to see our pre-K friends all the way up through 12th grade. And it's become a lot clearer to me that our educational system really does kind of, I don't know, like filter out academic bravery and creativity as kids mm. get older. 
So like as a high school teacher, just trying to get kids to be, to feel like they could take risks, to believe that they could do hard things right. was like 90% of the battle. But when you're in a, a school like this school, which is three through five, kids are just dying to share their ideas. They all think they have the best idea. They all are like grappling with really cool things. They're not afraid to share. There isn't this like, well, I won't speak unless I know I'm right. Or the teacher's the, the person that knows everything and I don't know anything. And so trying to keep that and foster it, uh, I think about how much easier it would have been for me as a high school teacher if that was cultivated and grown rather than removed in the way that it does feel like it kind of is. So creating a space like this or opportunities like this, I think could be really great interrupters to stop that from happening. So that when kids are grappling with really high level things in middle school and high school, they feel like they have the confidence, the toolbox, the skills to do it successfully. Right. Um, could be really, really life-changing for a lot of kids. All right, are you ready for the rapid fire round? I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so one word answers, you can't okay. explain it. I mean, it's the hardest part, except for the okay. last question, and I'll let you know when it's time. <laughs> okay. okay, Kara, what is your favorite season? Winter. Mm. Um, what's a food or a meal that reminds you of your childhood? Um, spaghetti bolognese. A musician or an artist that you never get sick of. You could just Dave listen Matthews to Dave Matthews Band. Yes, let's go. All right. <laughs> Love that. Um, who is someone that you admire? Uh, um, uh, Dr. Darnisa Amante Jackson. I hate my own round right now because I want to ask why on all of these things. So, okay, we'll have to talk about that after. All right, last question so you can expand. Um, you had all the money in the world, but you have to give it away to a charity or a cause. Who, who is your recipient? Um, so I would actually give it to um, some, probably a couple of different childhood health, uh, heart organizations. My younger son was born with a congenital heart defect. Um, so he was born with three holes in his heart. And so every fundraiser that I do, we do a walkathon each year. We donate um, the majority of that to kids who are suffering with um, childhood uh, coronary or heart disease issues. Sounds like a really good cause. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about or talk about or just any last parting words? I mostly just want to say thank you because, I mean, I had a lot of ideas for the space, but definitely would have struggled to try to bring it to fruition. Even if I had the budget part, I still would have been like, how do I do this? Like, who am I reaching out to? Where are the vendors? All that kind of stuff. And you guys were super helpful, would have never been able to do it without your help in the like planning stages, but also for sure the implementation stages of it. So we're just really thankful and really excited. So I just wanted to extend that. Thanks. Oh, thank you. We're excited too. And I can't wait to hear what you do in the space. And um, yeah, it just sounds like a great opportunity for everyone in that area. So yeah. we're, we're super psyched to be partners um, in that. So yeah, thank we're you. Excited. It's going to be great. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, the whole thing. That episode was amazing. Kara is clearly so passionate about STEM, and we are so excited about what this lab will do for the school community. Science, technology, engineering, and math are the future. 
They foster innovation and the rapid growth and change we are seeing in the world today. Time to get on that train. Not to mention they create well-paying career opportunities in amazing industries. If you'd like to learn more about Red River, check out our website at redriver.com and be sure to check out the foundation's social media on Instagram and Facebook to see videos and pictures of this amazing STEM lab. Tune in next time to be inspired.